We could do something off my bucket list. You have a bucket list? Catch a winning touchdown at the Super Bowl, make the most amazing grilled cheese sandwich ever, win the lottery, ride a unicycle, invent something. I'd like to remake the movie Kazam with Shaquille O'Neal where he plays a genie and I'd like to get it right. Go skydiving, outrun a hippo, fly first class on a plane. When people are walking by, be like this. On first, what's on second? I don't know who's on third. Elementary, my dear Watson. What's in the box? Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. But why male models? Why so serious? I am serious. And don't call me sure. Well, nobody's perfect. Go ahead. Make my day. Welcome everybody to Pop Culture. I am Scott. I'm Jason. And I'm Monica. And this week we are talking about remakes. Something that is becoming more and more prevalent in uh, film and popular culture and uh, now even books and things are being remade. It's pretty crazy that we've uh, come this far and run out of ideas completely. Mm. And whether that be because Hollywood is run purely on... uh, purely by illiterates and if it hasn't been done before don't try it now i don't know but uh let's 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 talk about it so the idea of remaking something or i mean re- we could talk about reboots i guess another time i guess that's a very different thing but remaking a film i mean it's not like it's not a new idea either because like how many ben hers are there now so many yeah. like three or four <laughs> <laughs> Like the Charlton Hester one's a remake. Like that's that's mm. it's based on the old silent film. So mm. it's not a new idea. It's something that Hollywood's been doing for a while, but now it seems to be very prevalent. I think the biggest um, example of remakes being quite prevalent is um, the Disney remakes from the animated features into live action, um, where they're trying to inject some things or previous criticisms of those animated features and create it as part of a Disneyism in the live action. For example, you always have the dead or absent mothers in all the princess stories, or somehow, oh, Maleficent wasn't all that bad all along, or Cruella is somehow redeeming. Um, no, to all of it. <laughs> Christ. There's nothing I love more is when Disney tries to make a puppy murderer sympathetic. Yeah. <laughs> or somehow make Cinderella, you know, and any like to, to show her as anything but a pushover because she is. <laughs> yeah, uh, the remake phenomenon. I mean, it it's probably changed how it's occurring. And what I mean by that is, originally when people remade films, they were probably referencing stuff that was decades ago, and uh, probably couldn't achieve what could have been achieved when they go about remaking it. And it's almost a uh, uh, I'd say a homage to that film by doing it and the idea and just trying to bring it up to that speed at the time. So you you mentioned Ben-Hur. I can imagine the the Charlton Heston one just has a whole lot more to it than... It's certainly remembered film. as, like, the Ben-Hur. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, remakes don't necessarily mean a marketing exercise, but it's a case that more often than not, they're unnecessary and they are. Yeah, so they're not always a marketing exercise, but uh, they're more a homage to something that could not be made the same way. So I gave the example of Ben-Hur being a far more spectacular and uh, probably had the capability of doing more with the film than the original silent film. Oh, absolutely. And, and then we can see things like, uh, I guess, King Kong compared to the original King Kong and they upgrade it to a new time. So sometimes stories, I feel, have a relevance that can be replaced in a different context if you want or taken another way and that remake works. They can be placed in a different time. Yeah, so a different time with a different audience and sort of like any fable that we'd say has gone through history gets retold in different ways to make it relevant again. Um, I can see it working in those respects. So you will get remakes that do work and they're reimagined in a way that makes more relevance of them, of that core story, but then you just get those horrible marketing exercises of just cashing in on the original idea and that's really the only purpose behind it. Yeah. You also have cycles, um, 20 or 40-year cycles, where you have, for example, maybe disaster movies come back in vogue or action movies or romantic movies. So that's a good opportunity as well to capitalise on remaking something with a different cast for a different generation. Yeah, yeah. De- I mean, definitely. They sort of they, they come back around. And then, like, we had, like, a weird cycle of westerns a few years ago yeah like they really recycled a whole bunch of old westerns it was like 310 to yuma we had true grit we had Mm. um magnificent seven like all within maybe you know five ten years yeah that's right we did and there were probably more yeah absolutely and um i think now we're starting to see more action adventure movies coming back in trend we you know got um, Jungle Cruise coming out on Disney Plus this year, which sort of harkens back to the adventure and almost pulp-like in a way. It looks very pulp. Mm. But I guess it's it's a, I think it's a theme park ride, <laughs> which is a, mm. but it's definitely like, looks like it's leaning on the African Queen and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and there are movies too that I think, I think the ones that really surprised me are the ones that's like, oh, I didn't know that was a remake or... And the yeah. um, there's there's always there's this big um, push as well for I guess uh, Western versions of foreign cinema foreign too, film. where we get the like there's the you know there's an American version of Old Boy, and there's mm. and I, I mean I'm going to get to it because a couple of those are on my list of like what well, absolute best ones, and maybe that's the best approach. We actually talk about what works and what doesn't. Mm, yeah, you also um, have remakes like the Ring series as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Vanilla Sky, which is a Spanish film as well, remade with Tom Yeah, open your eyes. Yeah. So there's there's a lot. There's a lot of them, and there's lots of reasons, I think, for, like, some of those, I think, is just an idea of, like, oh, that was a really good idea. Let's, you know, people don't want to watch it with subtitles because, God forbid, they read something. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah, as far as the foreign film versions go. And then, I mean, but I guess the line I want to talk about is, like, what do we consider a remake? Do we go the, like, you know, 10 different Batman 
Batman. Batman. <laughs> Batman? Batman. Batman. <laughs> like we have so many different Batman films. Do we consider the Christopher Nolan films a remake of the, you know, Michael Keaton ones? Or is that just harkening back to a source material? We have over a hundred Draculas. They're an attempt to retell the book. So I would argue with that. I mean, there are certainly cases where it's like, oh, obviously they were trying to remake the film. But there's a lot that I think are just sort of reuses of the source material. With something like I mentioned, True Grit. I don't think the Coen Brothers' True Grit is a remake of the John Wayne True Grit. I believe it's a retelling of the book at a much closer telling of the book. I don't know, because really um, the... They will often reference those original films. The, if you want to call it the new version, mm. um, will reference the original films as well. So it, it's the source material plus what has gone before. So mm. I, I actually do think they are remakes, and they because people who are going to go see it know that it was originally a film more likely than a book. So okay. I, I I think they're coming from that point. And if you look at all the comic book stuff, then, you know, Spider-Man and Batman, as you mentioned, how many times have been remade. And it is remade. It's, it's a cinematic version of that text being remade and remade. So I, I do think they're remakes. Um, you could say that it's a better remake because it reflects that source material more precisely or gets the core elements of it, but it's certainly a remake. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You've convinced me. That changes my perspective a little bit as well. I um, admittedly did struggle with this topic a little bit when thinking about films because sometimes I watch films that I didn't even realise were remakes. And when I was doing some research on them, I thought, well, does that change the way that I think about those movies from when I saw them if they're a remake with that knowledge? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting. Well, let's 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 have a crack then, shall we? Mm. Let's shall we talk about the the word the blurst? Let's do the blurst. How do you fuck up a remake <laughs> <laughs> in five easy steps? Uh, reshoot it shot for shot. Ooh, oh, shall we, shall we talk about that one? Because that's, <laughs> that's number one on my list. Yeah, yes. I, think I know what we're talking about. Yes, psycho. Gus yep. Van Sant's Psycho. Oh, what an insult. has the biggest asterisk of why would you fucking bother in cinema history. Yep, a total, total cash-in. Just no redeeming quality about it. It loses the soul of and this, you know, the, the sheer horror of the original Psycho. It doesn't capture it at all. But to and then and in interviews he was like, "Well, it was done so well. Why would I change it?" Well, I would argue, why would you do it? And why would you remake <laughs> it? Yeah, yeah, but With, uh, that's what I mean. I mean. And it's 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 odd because I don't hate Vince Vaughn in that movie. I feel like it's not Anthony Perkins worthy because his performance is totally amazing. But I don't hate Vince Vaughn in it. I think. I mean, the cast is great, Julianne Moore, but it just doesn't work. There's just something about it that doesn't work. I think Vince Vaughn did the best that he could with what he was given, Um, and it wouldn't have been a lot by the sounds of it. I think he was just maybe given a script to be like, do your best 
impersonation of Anthony Perkins. Of Anthony Perkins, and it just missed the mark, unfortunately. Mm. It's a really strange experience, especially to watch them close together. Yes. It's really weird. Mm. Um, cool. So I think we can all agree that that is a uh, definitely way not to do a remake. Yeah, definitely. Ab- absolutely. Uh, mm. My next one is uh, The Mummy. But The Mummy, the most recent mummy, <laughs> the Tom Cruise mummy. I was, I was going to throw hands. <laughs> So uh, I did mention that I have a I do have a remake that is both on my best and on my worst list. Not to spoil what I could possibly be talking about, but the Tom Cruise mummy is just pitiful. Oh, it's, it's horrible. It's awful in every way, and and I think it's because it's it's a it's trying to be a remake of a remake, which I guess harkens back to what you were talking about earlier, Jason. It's trying to capture things that, like, there's a 1999 version, which I think we're all going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, which is inspired trying... by the 1932 version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is trying to steal bits, like, it's trying to be a horror movie because the I think the 99 version is, you know, an adventure film with some horror in it. Yeah. This is trying to have, be a horror movie, but also then be like, we need a big wall of sand with a face in it. And then we need to give Tom Cruise complete autonomy. <laughs> this is what we get. Yeah, and it's also trying to do it's it's doing two things. It's trying to be a remake and also kickstart um the the dark universe which it failed miserably at. And it doesn't devote enough time to doing either effectively, which is I think the biggest failure of the film. Um and also there's a shot in there where they um cut to the 1999 Mummy Book of the Dead and I was just like you did not bring a Brendan Fraser prop into this shit show. Um how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Brain, poor, poor, poor Mr. Fraser. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the key thing about that is it it is missing the essence of that source material, and yeah. the essence of it is what you're going to need in a remake to make it work. Uh, if you don't have it, um, you're doing a shadow of it more than a remake. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It misses the it misses the vibe, and it basically becomes Mission Impossible with a mummy running yeah. around mm. which i guess is tom cruise's shtick sure is <laughs> <laughs> he loves it he loves it mm. and then uh crow was uh dr jekyll and mr hyde wasn't it wolf <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's a really good pick um is it good? It's a really shit pick. It's a, it's a it's a shit it's a good pick for a crap category. <laughs> um, sort of going back to I guess horror films that should never have been remade. I've got on my list um, the remake of The Omen. <laughs> oh. yeah. Did you see that? So I I saw that movie. <gasps> Here, with, bear with me. I saw that movie in cinemas, and I, I saw it. Too. I saw it on the sixth of June, two thousand and six. Oh, look at you. <laughs> six, six, six. Yep, I remember it well. I d- did that deliberately. And how very disappointing it yeah, was. Yeah, I was, I, I, it's it's dreadful. But I mean, it's also directed by, I think, John Moore, who famously once said, I don't really give a shit about the movie. It's about getting it in on time and under budget. 
Which is a shame because you have a good cast in there to have made it, you know, a serviceable remake, but it comes off as this really sterilised, cold film and it doesn't create any kind of tension. There's no horror into it. You don't buy that this little boy is the Antichrist at all. He just sort of sits there and stares at a wall. Yeah, and then, like, uh, Final Destination-esque things happen around him. Yeah, exactly right. And I think um, if we're going to compare it to the original as well, the death of Damien's mother in the original film is really full-on and really violent. And, you know, in this iteration, it's she's just goes out like a punk. Yeah, in a hospital, isn't it? In a a hospital, she gets, um, I believe, some air popped in through a needle in her IV. Um, and that doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Who plays, it's, oh, it's um, Liev Shriver, isn't it, is the Gregory Peck role. Correct, yes. Yep. It's and coming back to me now. David yeah. Thewlis, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Christ, Julia. Pete, Pete Postlewaith, isn't it? <laughs> yep, Julia Stiles as well. Yep. Mm. I didn't see it. I didn't want to see it. <laughs> oh, it's good. terrible. Mm-hmm. It's no. bad. It really it, it, it's like it's it's just all of that shitty early two thousands filmmaking wrapped up into one movie. Gloss, it's really glossy and yeah. I guess with a, a remake, uh, you're going to always have this issue of can you actually replicate something that's being created? So I, you were talking about the Omen, and I thought. Who in their right mind would want to go and remake something like Casablanca, yeah. or um, yeah. Jaws, or um, let's see what else? The Exorcist. You know, it's just not going to work because you cannot capture that without, you know, maybe attempting the psycho thing of rep- yeah. re- replicating it perfectly, but um, just shifting it out of its time and all of the things that go with that just will never work. There's nothing else to work to expand on or develop in it. So, yeah, yeah The Omen, uh, that's why I probably wouldn't have seen it because I just remembered it and I remember how good it was and then went, well, yeah, I'd rather just go back and watch that. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. What do you got, Jase? Well, my, one of my least favourite directors, Creates lots of remakes that I don't <gasps> like. It's Tim Burton. It's Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's Tim Burton. Oh, Christ. Any of his films. Go. Well, the one that really annoyed me was Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it was sort of a remake sequel. It wasn't even. It's doing the Disney version, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, apparently it's a re a, a sequel to the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland, the yes. cartoon version. Mm. But in reality, it's just using everything that was in the text, so it's really a remake. Um, but I'd throw in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as well. Like, I, oh, uh, are we are we all forgetting Planet of the Apes? I am Planet of the Apes. I'm yes, fine. there's another one. Yep, another one. Um, I. I haven't seen Dumbo because I just don't want to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to watch it. No. Yeah. Um, it might be good. I don't know. I, it's just his dark, record. Dark Shadows, on, like, yeah. yeah it, Do we consider it, Sleepy Hollow a remake then as well while we're here? Has it ever been made a full film? 
I'm not sure about that one. Ah, uh, there's uh, definitely been like um, there were definitely TV movie versions of it and stuff like that. But yeah, not not, not like a uh, no, certainly not his, that story. <laughs> if I was to give him any one that could be okay, it'd be Sweeney Todd. But that's about it. Um, but even yeah, then, it does nothing for me. It's no. still it's still like passable, is what I'd say that one. Um, but the others are just atrocious. They they don't even really recognize the essence of the text that they're coming from it becomes all too tim burton quirky and um you know i i don't mind johnny depp in some things but he's not exactly the greatest actor in terms of getting subtlety and nuance to a character and it's just it, it the i guess i'm angry about those two is charlie and the chocolate factory and alice in wonderland that They've just been Americanized and then commercialized, yeah. and uh, you know, like it the removes Char it. Charlie's. Uh, it just it misses the, the book completely. Like it misses the role, the role dullness, and 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 this. I guess a sort of there's a. It's weird because Roald Dahl certainly as a source material has got the you know because we do have a Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory that's quite a good adaptation mm. of the source material, and we do have you know a really good Matilda, and we have a really good witches. And so it can be done quite well. And then there are some shocking attempts at Roald Dahl. Yeah, and interestingly, though, um, usually Roald Dahl's storytelling will cut through. But yeah. in Char Charlie and Chocolate, Chocolate Factory, it just gets smothered by Tim Burton's style over substance. And it's interesting, too, with that, too, that the first adaptation seems to be all right, and then the remake is what's terrible. Yeah. Because we talked about the witches as well, which leans heavily on the old one, and is crap. <laughs> yeah, nothing can beat that performance by Angelica Houston. <laughs> it's not Anne Hathaway, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know I like her, but no, she missed the mark, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. So no, I yeah, any any Tim Burton remake generally pretty pretty shit. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Um, he, I, he feel, sorry, I was just going to say, he filled out most of my list. <laughs> <laughs> he did for a lot of mine too, actually, so I'm going to have to... I, avoid, I somehow avoided him on this mm. one. Um, but I'll go. I'll throw out another turd. Uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still. I've not seen it. The yeah, remake that... or the original? Either. <laughs> oh, well, you were missing out because the original is one of the best science fiction films ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of 50s, 60s sci-fi that is just quite amazing because it's relying on the ideas of the sci-fi for the films Yeah, to it's, work. it's pure, proper science fiction. That's right. Yeah. And the, the issue comes down to when they take these ideas and give it the sort of attempted Star Wars Independence Day treatment, it loses that es essence of the sci-fi quite quickly. And um, these remakes like the day the earth stood still are a good example of it it's all a spectacle yeah without really going into the actual science fiction themes that are running through it because yeah that, that original film is just uh, amazing like it's one of the i saw it when i was quite young but i mean the, the, the plot is so tight and simple and perfect and it's telling a really nice moral story that as a kid, I was still blown away by it, even though, you know, it's black and white and there's like the goofy robot and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the new one just is a 
appalling. And then it goes for that Independence Day ending, like you said, where everything's getting destroyed and stuff. Nothing happens in the old one. <laughs> it's literally just a moral discussion. Yeah. yeah. Aliens, if you haven't seen it, Monica, I think you'd really oh. enjoy it. Aliens come to Earth and he, he comes with this gigantic robot sidekick mm. called Gort. Love it. And basically he says, like, I'm from a civilization that used to have war and things like that, and we threw away all of our weapons and we have these big robots, and if anyone does anything wrong, the robot kills you. Oh. Um, humanity is getting too close to the sun. You guys are going to become a threat to all of us out here, so you guys need to get rid of your nuclear bombs, demilitarize, or we're going to do it for you. Mm, okay, I can see how that sort of... Um, makes a lot of sense in the context of the Red Scare period in the 50s and yeah. the 50s. So, yeah. 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 And then the Keanu Reeves as the alien. And... <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't carry the emotional impact of Michael Rene, and it's just bad. Yeah. Oh, it sounds it. Okay. Um, I do have one on my list. Um, it's a hair obscure. Um, have either of you seen either the original or the remake of Sabrina? I've seen both. You've seen both? Oh, good. Yeah, I, I think I have seen it, yeah. yeah. The yeah. remake. The remake's the one with um, Harrison Ford. And Ford, yeah. With Harrison Ford and Julie Ormond. Um, <laughs> and, and Greg Kinnear is and, the, the brother. In his first um, movie role, actually. Oh, is it? It is, yeah, and I don't like that film. No, it's, um, it's not great. I, it's got nothing on the original. You know, you have the star power of Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart, which their love story is just way more compelling and interesting. And it just feels so contrived with Julie Ormond and Harrison Ford, who I normally really enjoy, but I just feel he was miscast as the romantic lead in this movie. <laughs> it's. I think it's around that time period where it was like they did you've got mail, which was like a little shop around the corner. And yeah. there's like a, just a swath of these kind of um, romantic classics that just get kind of remade. Yeah. And I think this is the one that um, falls victim to that trope and the remake is um, just really slow. It's n not very exciting. It's very sloppy. Whereas, you know, you contrast it to the original, which came out in 1954, 55, I think. Um, it's stylish, it's slick, it's well edited, um, it looks beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it's got that great 50s. This. Yeah, and this is um, also maybe a little bit um, superficial, but also the fashion in the 54 film is just so much more sharp. <laughs> like, I love what everyone's wearing in it. <laughs> oh, it's what makes it kind of iconic. Yeah, absolutely. When, yeah, you, can when you contemporize it, to it just doesn't have the... Mm. I think that can have a major impact because some stories do rely on that cultural, uh, I guess, historical moment for it's it like to really work. Like said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't do it. If you suddenly had mobile phones and internet and all these other things that sort of upset the storytelling by their existence, it's... Uh, yeah, one of the problems with well, it's it. It's like if they contemporized Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do that with the character of Linus um, in um, Harrison Ford in the remake. He's trying to sell this um, television to the Japanese and there's a cut of him where he's like slamming the television with a crowbar or something like that to show how um, indestructible it is. And I was just like, that, you know, has completely no place yeah. in that kind of movie. <laughs> so it, it loses something in that translation. 
No, I think it's a, a common problem with them that you've uh, you've found with that. Mm. Jason, or have you just you've you've you hit the bottom with Tim Burton and <laughs> haven't got anywhere else to go? <laughs> uh, that, that there's so many that aren't good. Uh, I'm trying to think of others that sort of really obvious to me or annoyed me, but it, it's more a case of. There's lots of bad remakes out there. Um, mm. I, I can't, I can't really list that many. Otherwise, it just becomes this horrible shopping list of terrible films. Bad films, yeah. <laughs> and um, but I do think it comes down to the loss of essence in the retelling or development of a story that doesn't go anywhere um, that creates the bad remake. Yeah. Cool. Well said. You, yeah, I could, I could, I could name my other two, but it's like, yeah, almost like, what's the point? <laughs> we did <laughs> oh, just cover what. Us, uh, yeah, tell us yours. Go yeah, on, you, you've, got, you've gone. I've got the the the, the um, Spike Lee's remake of Old Boy, mm-hmm. right? Which, yeah, just it's not that old. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like two thousand and four, five. Okay. And it's 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 you know it's contemporary. It's good. It hasn't aged. It's not dated. You literally just did it to make a foreign film into an English language film, and missed there's something in that the, the 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 Korean story or the Korean experience that makes the film so much more uh, the 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 the, um, the original version kind of icky and nasty, and when it's tr- attempted in a, a sort of more sanitized American version, it's like it just loses any impact. And uh, if you haven't seen it, Monica, I won't say anything to ruin it, but, like, when you watch the original version, it's like, holy shit. Mm, yeah. If you watch the Western version, it's like, uh, all right. <laughs> it just loses <laughs> that, like, punch. Mm, I'll be avoiding the Western one then. <laughs> yeah, don't bother. And, I mean, I like Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah, Generally a, speaking, I like Spike Lee. He's a very competent filmmaker, yeah. It's terrible. Um, and the other one I had was there was a, a, a Night of the Living Dead uh, remake from the 2000s and it is really bad <laughs> it's it's but, yeah see that, that's the example of why i end up with a big list of them because there's yeah. so many of those yeah. um you just don't know where to stop <laughs> yeah of the horror movies anyway yeah mm. so that were the other two shit ones that i had shall we move on to greener pastures then and talk about the best ones Happy to. Wonderful. Um, you already kind of spoiled it, but um, I'll list it off. The 1999 Mummy movie is... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's on my list. It's on my list. And I also really like the 1932 one. Um, oh, the Carloff one's great. Carloff one's great. It's genuinely scary, but there's something about the 1991, the 1999 movie that just works for me. It's action. It's pulp. It has horror elements. The cast is really good and everyone turns out an excellent performance. They're extremely aware of what kind of movie they're making and they just have fun with it. Yeah, it's 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 the ultimate popcorn ride. Mm, yeah, it would be a fun retrospective, I think. Yeah, I, I, well, in talking about what makes a good remake, it illustrates that it's not just trying to replicate the old 30s version. It's actually mm. embracing it but then adding those elements of comedy and action that weren't in the original 
Mm. And it's pulling it together in a nice way that's different enough for it to stand on its own two feet. So it, I, I think that's what makes a good remake in that you can watch that and you can watch the other one, enjoy both for what they are. And I don't think I'd even compare them. No, they're, they're so different. No, they're like, different. They've, got, they've yeah. got a mummy named Imhotep and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, and both of them are trying to bring their dead girlfriend back to life. That's about where that yeah. ends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it's the core of it and it works it's it yeah Ooh. no i i love it yeah i it's really good film the mummy as in mm. 1999 one. Cool. all right is it on your you list want... as well or no no i didn't no. put that on my list I, I i there's so many good ones i have to admit i was surprised to find how many good remakes actually exist and um I thought that would be hard, but it was actually hard to cut the list down. But I certainly considered the mummy. Yep. Um, my first one's Cronenberg's The Fly. Oh, uh, good choice. <laughs> um, wow. <that> is <laughs> wow. one of the most viscerally uh, uncomfortable films I've seen. Cronenberg's <laughs> you know, great at that. His but, body horror is his thing. <laughs> yeah, but it really pulls that original disturbing feature of uh, the 60s one, is it? Or is it 50s? Oh, is it earlier, I think. Yeah, it might be even earlier. Um, yeah, it's really early. But um, even it's disturbing, that original, like especially when you see his uh, combined fly and yeah. head and going, help me, help me, <laughs> which is, <laughs> you know, it, it's iconic. And they've still managed to make, Cronenberg's uh, managed to make this standalone piece that is really really grotesque and scary the concepts oh it's absolutely it's, terrifying yeah so um yeah i couldn't avoid that one Not a good choice cronenberg and goldblum at there <laughs> yeah a young goldblum <laughs> goldblum before he became the caricature of himself <laughs> and he sort of works in it because he's such a, a he, he delivers lines really strangely, and that is his caricature, caricatures, as you're saying. But in that role, that sort of... It's an eccentricity yeah, the, sort of... It just works so beautifully. It's, um, it's great. Mm. All right. My next one is uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, which is phenomenal <laughs> in the way that it takes... Uh, Romero's version and injects it with a, a bit of uh, post-September 11 panic. Mm. Very competent. Very, uh, I think Romero uh, is, you know, tackling these themes of kind of consumerism and, uh, you know, the, 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 I guess it's sort of coming out of the, you know, it's in the 70s, it's out of the 60s and stuff. It's that kind of slow-moving march of communism and the Red Menace and stuff. And Zack Snyder brings it to a whole new thing. We still get those talks of consumerism and stuff, but then we're looking at terrorism where, like, you woke up one day and the world was changed. And he does it really well. And the movie is an effective horror film. It's an effective zombie film. And uh, it's juicy. <laughs> juicy. <laughs> that opening, I... I, I was 14 when I saw it. So that, that the opening scene, have you guys seen it? Yeah, no, I've yeah, seen it. Ah, oh, the opening scene is just like she she's a nurse and she's doing her hospital thing and she goes home and then like she wakes up the next morning and a neighborhood girl is in their bedroom, her face half ripped off and she just jumps up and rips her husband's throat out and it's and you're off. <laughs> you don't get a moment to think about what the fuck is going on. 
It's great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I probably didn't reflect on it as being one of my top sort of five ones. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely improved or how would I say uh, it's re replaced or placed it in a moment in history quite well and used the devices that Ramiro did for consumerism for what you're saying, the uh, post-September 11 fears that are going on and um yeah it, it's very very deftly done um that's a it's a good pick as a remake because it definitely ticks those boxes mm, and it's certainly certainly Zack snyder's best film yes he's got a lot that aren't good so yeah <laughs> um what do i have on my list um i've got one that i didn't actually realize it was a remake until quite recently um and that is 2007's 310 to yuma it's a good film which is it's, okay it's an i really love it i think it's a really excellent western movie it's got that great slow burn kind of pace it's got the pinkertons in it um it's also a good story about redemption and you have these around these two central characters and what they're trying to do and you know it, 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 have you great. seen the old one i haven't no but i should probably make it's, it's um, good you um it's sort of it takes a good story, so that the old three G has got a very good story, mm. but it's still sort of living in that John Wayne mm. Western world where these characters were kind of larger than life, and mm. the the remake, the um, is it James Mangold? I think directed. It is. The, yes. Yeah, he he has a way of making things very real, and <laughs> it feels yeah. very real. There's nothing glamorous about it. No, you can see the tiredness. You can see, you know, just the way that both characters sort of, especially Christian Bale's character, is just beaten down and just so over everything and, you know, tortured by life. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it, it, it's almost like the, the way the plot goes is pretty much the same. Mm. But it, 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 it feels less glamorous than the original. We're like, I'm doing the mm. right thing for the right reasons. Whereas the new one's a bit more like, I'll do it because no one else will. <laughs> yeah. Like the sense that I got from watching um, this iteration was just, I, I found it really um, based in reality and yeah. how people think and how people react to things. It's not about being good or it's not about being bad. It's about it has to be done. I'm here. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's a great film. Mm, really, really uh good. I enjoyed it, and um, I have to admit I haven't seen the original. So for mm. me, that's the only version I've seen, which sort of makes it hard to know how it improved on it. So, Scott, you're in the position there to be able to. Yeah, like I said, the, it's it's a, I mean, the old one's quite good, and it's, it, the ending is the same. Mm. It just it has that kind of it's of that era where westerns were still kind of you know it, it, it's not it's not a, a near, it's not a postmodern western. Yeah, it's yeah. still in that period of. The, the you know painted buildings and weird shit like that that they <laughs> <this laughs> weird American idealized version of the West where you know whereas the new one is very that we're living in a Clint Eastwood Western era where you know things go wrong and things are messy and and it, it just it grounds it in a bit more of a uh, reality I guess of what the time would have been like and that's not pretty mm. so we we call it a post uh, unforgiven 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being the best Western ever made, yes. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Um, Good choice, okay. Man. Mine is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which, which is a remake. I love of, that movie so much. Of Bedtime Story. Yeah. And the original actually had uh, Marlon Brando and David Niven in it. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> would have been different. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, like this is... I think it's one of Steve Martin's best performances in uh, absolutely <laughs> like uh, Rupert, just one of the funniest, Rupert. <laughs> funniest Rupert. characters. I'll get the genital cuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the classic lines in it, and um, interestingly, uh, I guess Frank Oz directed it, yeah. which is the other thing. Um, and it's one where Michael Caine sort of plays against type a bit too. So he's actually running a, uh, he's a in sleaze. a way. He's a sleaze, but he's also quite funny and it, he doesn't often do comedy. So it's sort of really enjoyable to see that play off between the two types. <laughs> Freddie, <laughs> you are a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. I didn't know it was yeah. a remake. There you go. Yep. You educated me today. Yeah, and it, um, it's it's and it's now a very successful stage show as a result, which is kind of a weird, uh, I guess, remake of that movie. Yeah, well, I could see it working that way because it is like a play. I mean, there's no real need for locations and that. It's all dialogue and the the games being played. So mm. uh, yeah, I I just find that that's one of the funniest remakes of seen. And, and Ian McDermott not playing the Emperor is always fun to watch as well. <laughs> yeah, true, as, true. As the uh, the beaten down butler. <laughs> yeah. Now, there is another remake of it, which I probably could have popped into that earlier list. And I'm trying to remember what they called it. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, what is it? I'm going to look it up because I, I, I really think we don't. need... Have you seen it, Monica? Nope. Oh, you're missing out on one of the best comedies ever. um, Steve Martin is a uh, con artist Mm -hmm. and he finds this little town in, uh, it's Italy, right? Uh, Yeah, it's a river. France or, or, yeah. 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 And um, he, he, but it turns out like Michael Caine is also this incredibly successful con artist and both of them arrive in this town that happens to have a lot of tourists and a lot of uh, vulnerable, rich people dumb people oh, <laughs> and they and they basically make a wager usually that, women like, yeah always women, yeah, of course, women. <laughs> um that they if they're gonna con this they're both gonna try and con the same woman and whoever wins gets to stay and claim the territory <laughs> okay <laughs> and um it's, and it's so even got a twist fun. it's got a it's got a great twist yeah, it's mm. even got a twist. So, but just and then they, yeah, they're sort of. Um, so Steve Martin is initially wants to see Michael Caine as his mentor, and they try to scam together, but both egos get out of control, and it becomes a competition. Mm. Oh, I um, see. And oh, the way, oh god, Michael Caine <laughs> doing the the um the the German accent as the <laughs> the expensive therapist. therapist. Yeah. Yep. Can he even pull off an accent with his very own? Oh, it's amazing. Very... 
He even does an Australian one in it. He does, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's worth just seeing for that. It's oh, so okay. good. Oh, I'll have to find it somewhere. Yeah. So <laughs> the other remake, so which I would put down the bottom, is called The Hustle. And it's got Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. And oh. it was sort of free on one of the streaming things and I started watching it and I'm going, hey, this looks familiar. And I went, oh, no, they're making what? No. And, yeah, it's terrible. It just doesn't have that oh. great, great moments of um, Steve Martin because you have to see just oh. even that moment where he's supposed to be paralysed and he's being whipped. <laughs> whipped. <laughs> he oh. can't react because he's got to stay in the role of being paralysed. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's even to not be able to feel his legs and Michael Caine starts whipping him with a um, oh like my a God. Plant. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> and Ruprecht is amazing. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. We put, uh, cool. put corks yeah. on his forks. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Why has he got a cork <laughs> on his fork? <laughs> <laughs> just turns into yeah. us quoting Dirty Rotten yes. Sound just for the rest of the podcast. All right, moving on. <laughs> no, good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Um, uh, a phenomenal remake and a Best Picture Oscar winner. The Departed. Yes, I have that on my list. <laughs> um, a really amazing remake of uh, Infernal Affairs, mm. which feels like it could be one of those movies that is just a Western version of a uh, Chinese film, but it, it's amazing. The and I'm not saying it's better than Infernal Affairs. It's just, wow, what a movie. Yeah, so good. It tells the story of Boston and it's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it, it ditches Hong Kong for Boston and does it in a very effective way. And I also have to say it's one of the very few films where I thought Mark Wahlberg was fantastic in it. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg's amazing in that movie. He deserved that supporting Oscar nod, you know. He really did because he was just so good in it, you know. Do more stuff like that, Marky Mark. <laughs> How are you? Good. I'm tired from fucking your mother. Oh, really? <laughs> How's your father? Good. He's tired from fucking my mother. <laughs> who the fuck are you? I'm the guy who does his job. You yeah, must be the other guy. guy. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, wow. It's certainly a fine, fine film. I mean, it's it's coming down to just a, a perfect cast and direction in that one. No, it's... Uh, stands on its own. I haven't seen the the original. I have to say, it's so I don't really know. the. Have you seen Infernal Affairs, Monica? Oh, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah. So the, the it's a trilogy for starters, which does sort of it's a bit different. So the but the I think the 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 plot is essentially the same. You know, this guy's a, a part of the triads goes into the police force. Guys in the police force goes into the triads. Mm. All plays out the same. I guess the one major difference is. Uh, it it doesn't have that ending of uh, retribution. Oh. The bad guy wins and you just have <laughs> to fucking deal with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a trilogy, like I said. So part two is actually, it tells the story of their initial recruitment when they're young men. And then part three tells the story of afterwards where I guess the Matt Damon character goes insane from guilt of all the things that he's done. And it tells a very different story from there. But that initial story is fundamentally the same. The Departed just wraps it up in one package. Yeah. 
Good so, choice. Um, yeah, great. Great movie. Okay. Really good movie. Um, I do have one left in me. Um, I have on my list Casino Royale. I had that one. <laughs> I do not have that one, but it is a very good movie. It's a very good movie, especially considering that it's a remake of, I guess, the previous what? the previous one's a parody comedy with David Niven. <laughs> and Woody Allen and Peter Sellers. And- yeah, completely different kind of bond. And I think the 2006 Casino Royale is also, again, a very different kind of bond. Um Bond is a character that sort of changes within each decade um, as it goes it's the along. Jason Bourne Bond. Yeah, it's a post 9 11 Bond. You know, he has scratchable skin. He gets beat up by Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> In horrible ways. <laughs> In he, horrible gets, ways. he gets very beat up. <laughs> he gets very beat up. He's vulnerable um, to the point where he's ready to, you know, leave everything behind to run away with Eva Green and who can blame him? And, you know, she betrays him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also feel Casino um, Rock, when I first saw it, it didn't come across as a Bond film to me so, um, so much. I thought it was a really good espionage film, which happens to have a James Bond character. Yeah. <laughs> which in itself is a bit of a treat. <laughs> yeah. It still had those, in, in, unlike its unfortunate sequel, it still oh, had yeah. those cool things like where you had the villain with like the kooky weird i believe he cries tears and shit which is kind of strange yeah um, and but, it, it, but it left gadgets at the door and stuff like that it really did and it also created really wonderful scenes of tension um in the poker scenes too like when you it's know the most subdued bond film i think yeah it has a lot of um restraint if that's the right word <laughs> it, it holds back quite a lot for, yeah. for most of the movie. And, you know, that's a good thing. That works. What I, it, I would actually say it's sort of almost a remaking of the Bond franchise. In yeah, a, Bond a, in a general. Way. Yeah, yeah, so it's, um, it did hold some of the essential aspects of Bond in terms of Ian Fleming's mm. idea of it, but um, obviously developed it to the point where it's for more for a modern audience and... Just kept the enough of the essentials there to still be James Bond, which mm. you know things like the casino part, and um, as you said, and then the action pieces, obviously, and of obviously the villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, yeah. it 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 was really enjoyable, and yeah, it's a big shame that it sort of went off the rails so quickly afterwards. Um, it has a very up and down trajectory. It yeah. sure does. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm hoping this next one's worth the wait. It's- well, if if we're going by the pattern, it it should be fine. Yes, Skyfall. It should be up for another good one. Yeah, let's hope so. And it's it's Daniel Craig's last one as well. I think actually, he's my favourite Bond. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's something about his portrayal of it. He's damaged. He's He's still grieving the loss of um, Vespa in um, the films as well. He also loses M down the track in Skyfall as well, who's another very important figure in his life. Um, there's just something about Craig in that performance, which is just very nuanced. It feels deeper. Much, much deeper. And I also grew up watching Pierce Brosnan's Bond as well, who was like sensitive new age Bond, but I just didn't really. <laughs> Sort of. If that's sort what you of. want to call it. Like the 90s romantic type, yeah. which isn't really romantic. Remington Steel. 
All right. Uh, uh, still, still a Conry man myself. Yeah. 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 I like uh, Dalton's my favorite, but I think Conry's the best. Mm. Okay. Um, a remake that we're talking about the Disney remakes earlier that you touched on, uh, Monica. one of my a movie that i didn't expect to enjoy but is easily one of my favorite films ever made wow john favreau's jungle book oh i'll allow it that one's actually good (laughs) i i yeah i i wouldn't say it's favorite ever made but i think it's amazing but i think it it grabbed me i think it was a it was extremely good i i would i was considering that one as well my my list is really big, and I'm there going. I've got to pick five, <laughs> but um, yeah, Jungle, Jungle Book was the best uh, live action remake of any of those 2D animated cartoons, and it it's coming down to the fact that the characters are played really well in terms of you know Bill Murray and Christopher Walken and uh, yeah, it, they're, it, they're, Idris Elba, yeah. Whoever decided to cast Idris Elba was a damn genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of it, it just sort of and using and they've you know motion capture, so yeah. so they're yeah. performing and you can tell, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that it's... and then that's why the Lion King sucked so hard, yeah, <laughs> was because they were like, oh no, it's like a National Geographic documentary. Lions don't smile; they look <laughs> they look weird when they're plotting, and it looks like a lion. <laughs> like, <laughs> just give them some eyebrows or something, like. Mm. Yeah, but now I, I I absolutely loved Favreau's Jungle Book. Yeah, that one was on my list too. I thought it was really, really well done. Mm, that was a good one. Uh, this is the one that was controversial pick Ooh. for between me and Scott. Oh uh, yeah, whether was, we could call it. And... There was some contention. Now that you've you've argued effectively and changed my mind because we're adults and we can uh, <laughs> we, we can discuss things like that. I'm going to allow it. This is yeah. less this is less controversial than your Silence of the Lambs sequel comment. Oh so. yeah, yeah, okay, oh. yeah, fair enough. Um, the thing, John Carpenter. It's probably one of the ultimate remakes of pulling it, the source material, off in a direction that just goes out of this world, literally. Yeah. <laughs> the old, the old one is very the the original film adaptation of um, Who Goes There is very. Um, it's just like a monster, monster in a suit. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know, big big guy attacking people. It doesn't have that creepy concept that is the carpenter one which i think is is you know lifted effectively from who goes there mm. and uh, they, they make a nod to the the original in you know some of the footage of the scientists around the buried flying yeah. saucer sort of lining up to get its size and so on and uh but it just the claustrophobia of it the uh tension paranoia paranoia all of that mixed in together and the isolation Everything, but it gives it that really nice feeling of it's a real world stake that they're right on the precipice of it because they do have that isolation and can contain it. Hopefully, that's yeah. Sort but of the the, open stakes, ending. the stakes are going to be uh, your yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. So it's um yeah, just an amazing film. It's his best. I don't yeah. think he's got a better film. Um, and it's one of the best alien slash horror films there is so. i think it was on our list of best aliens and best horror films when we did those way way yeah. way back yeah. yeah it's an amazing amazing film 
I've got one left. What do you guys got? Um, I'm all tapped You're out. Tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I might be out as well. Yeah. What have you got, Scott? I got one left. A fistful of dollars. Oh, it's sort of. Is it Shane that it's a remake of? Or it is that, a, no, it's it is a, a remake of Yo Jimbo. No, the, that's it. Yeah. Akira Kurosawa film. No, there's another one where it's a, a an Eastwood Western, which is redoing Shane, Pale Rider. Pale Rider. Yeah, it's sort of like a redone Shane. Yeah, type sort one. of. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, go on. Fistful yeah, of Dollars. Fistful of Dollars is absolutely a remake of yep. Yo Jimbo, yeah. where the, yeah. the lone the lone guy comes to town. You've got the two gangs that are warring and. Uh, he plays them both off each other for the benefit of the townsfolk, and it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's a quintessential 70s Western, spaghetti Western type style, and it's, um, yeah. And, it's um, what... yeah, effectively, you know, it tells that story of that, that, I mean, the story itself is good. And just, and, and puts it in, um, you know, the Wild West instead of uh, feudal Japan. No, that's a good one. That's a good choice. That's it. Now I'm out. <laughs> the chamber is empty. However, I do have three films that I would like personally to see remade. Oh, go on then. Uh, the first one, uh, The Ghost Breakers. Oh, it sounds familiar. I'm trying to think which. Bob Hope. Oh, right. Bob Hope. <laughs> It's like from the thirties. Yeah, it sounds familiar. It's, it's really fun. It's a it's it's a Bob Hope plays a radio announcer in New York City who um reports on like the mob and stuff like that, but accidentally reveals too much information to the mob out after him. He uh, hides in a um a suitcase that goes on a, a luxury liner and happens to belong to this woman who has just inherited a castle in new orleans that's supposedly haunted so he decides to make himself useful by uh being a ghost breaker to go to this castle and uh suss it out for her and it turns out there's quite a sinister murder plot to get to uh some buried treasure in the castle it's just a very fun (laughs) there's a lot of uh well it's the 30s and he does have a black manservant so there is a little bit of racism that needs to be uh snipped out of this one but it's a very fun quirky film cool Cool. Um, personally, I'm I'm up for a remake of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, that would be good, actually. Yeah, that that's definitely open to it. Mm. And my last one is the Naked Jungle. The trunks, I don't that's know a, that one. It is a Charlton Heston film where he is a uh, cocoa plantation owner and. Um, after receiving his mail order bride, which is probably the worst part of the movie, mm. he's, he's very he's very upset that she's not a virgin. It's a bit weird, but it's of its time. <laughs> <laughs> a, um, anyway, the main crux of the movie is plantation owner and um, the uh, I can't remember what they call them. The ants move where they like def- they eat everything in their path, and he has to defend the plantation from um, ants. It's fantastic. <laughs> they like, well, they like eat people down to skeletons. It's great. Cool. Yeah. So once you exercise all of the horrible shit out of some of those choices, you're left with a pretty cool concept that could be really done well. Yeah. Nice. Cool. 
Now I've got a couple that I, I think could be remade quite interestingly. Um, Logan's Run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's got that concept of, you know, pretty much you're only allowed to live till 30 and then you're pretty much recycled. Yep. Uh, that science fiction concept's quite a strong one with mm. overpopulation and global warming and so on. You could have easily transpose it to a more... Uh, how would we say, predictable future in some ways. Um, But, yeah, it's sort of the essence of it, I think, is really, really good and could easily be done well. Mm. Uh, I'd love to see a proper version of Frankenstein, like like from the text. It's um, hope, hope and dream, my friend. Hope and dream, (laughs) because it it, it's it is it's such a good story and um, it would have to come from the point of view of the monster to be a true telling of that tale. And I don't think they've ever tried to do that yet. It's they yeah. sort of see the monster as the monster and, you know, something that you've got to fear. But when you follow the text, it's really quite um, interesting, that journey that he goes through yeah. as he becomes aware of himself and learns. And um, I, I just would love to see it. And finally, someone please do a good version of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> there isn't one. It's no, it's no. it's it's a kaleidoscope of a book, and it's got so much that you could do to be a really rich film um, in in text concepts and um, absurdities and logical uh, what we call them um, loops that occur in it, but then just the visual nature of the characters that could be done. It's, you know, make sure Tim Burton's a long, long way away from it. (laughs) Probably a good head start, but they're they're sort of things that I'd I'd love to see remade because I don't believe they've actually really nailed nailed them yet, Frankenstein and Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I um, actually had Frankenstein... On, as one of mine as well, um, just because I'm a huge fan of the book. And um, I'm not sure if um, you've seen it, Jason, but there was a really good stage production by Danny Boyle a few years back um, of Frankenstein where you had Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller and they alternate roles playing the Doctor and the creature. So you okay. get two very different interpretations of each of those characters and it's a really excellent production. Um, National Theatre, I think, did film it. Um, yeah, think, there is a there is a filmed version. There is a filmed version, and I really recommend it. That's probably the closest we're going to get to a good Frankenstein remake. Oh, I don't know. Someone might do it. You know, it's we a, didn't enjoy uh, we didn't enjoy yeah. Daniel Radcliffe and uh, James McAvoy's. Uh, what was that one called? <laughs> Victor Frankenstein or whatever it was called. Mm, I don't know. I'm still oh, getting it's over dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one I had was I would love to see um, a better remake of the vampire film Queen of the Damned, which is based on the Anne Rice books. Um, I just feel if you were to continue in the same vein as the interview with the vampire film and built on that, you could really create something quite special. Mm. And it's a very rich story. It has um, there's several books. You know, you could. We're getting the TV show now. Yeah, that's true. I'm a bit apprehensive about that one. <laughs> and um, my last one would be, um, it might be a little bit um, of a no-no to say so, but I think a remake of Cleopatra, the Elizabeth Taylor classic, which I don't really <laughs> think is all that good. <laughs> no, it's not. 
it's not. Um, but I would like to see a more competent, fair um, representation of that historical figure. Okay. Yeah. Her I don't. I don't think they've. Um, maybe Rome. <laughs> oh, look. A lot of in. Um, film representations of Cleopatra have based it on um, the Cleopatra that we see in Shakespeare, yeah. which is sort of like a watered-down version of secondhand sources written by predominantly Roman um, individuals who demonise her character. Yeah. Whereas she's a very, she was a very accomplished ruler, very smart politician, a very capable woman in her time, and I would just love to see that on a big screen. I think it could be something really good. Cool. Mm. So they have, I think they, yeah, remakes definitely have their place and we've named some good ones where it can be done very well. It's just a matter, I guess, of what are the intentions behind remaking it. Mm. Are we trying to tell a good story or are we trying to cash in or are we trying to duplicate something as though it were a photocopy? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Remakes. It's a fun one. Let us know what you guys think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Pop Culture. I've been Scott. I'm still Jason. And I'm still Monica. Pop Culture is produced by and recorded by Jason Eddy, Monica Porto and Scott Souter. The clip for this week's show was from Parks and Recreation and the song at the end was Hooray for Hollywood by John Williams. If you'd like to leave us a review, guys, we would really appreciate that and you can do that on Apple Podcasts. Um, It helps us expand the show and reach new listeners. And if you'd like to reach us on social media, we're available at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash popculturepod or on Twitter at popcultureau.